episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 29. This week I caught up with Matt Dietrich from Geelong Differentials. Matt's got a really nice 65 F100. It's an Aussie right-hand drive built truck, and he's done a really great job of taking it from your your sort of semi-standard truck to a, a fully lay and frame slammed airbag pickup truck so he's down in Geelong uh, really nice scene of trucks there's a lot of good guys down there we've heard from Leon at Big L's Chop Shop and uh, and John Flanders from Pickup Trucks Down Under on Instagram so those guys are all down in that similar area and they've got a really good scene going on down there so had a great chat to Matt and uh, I think you'll really enjoy this episode also this week uh, I was uh invited to get on board with the gutter to gutter podcast uh shonky and static uh had me up on their podcast and we had a bit of a chat about i guess this podcast and about my truck build and and future plans so if you uh if you haven't had a listen to those guys yet uh i know i harp on a little bit about them but uh it's good to have a listen i think they're doing a great job so that's the gutter to gutter podcast but uh we're still in lockdown uh still waiting for uh for them to let us all go free and, and go and do car shows and all that sort of fun stuff again. But uh, hopefully you've all still got a project you're working on and, and you're uh, knuckling down and getting stuff done. Every, everyone I speak to who's in this automotive scene is, uh, you know, as far as suppliers go, they're all flat out and they're all sold out. So guys are definitely in the garage and, and that hopefully means that we have a lot of really nice builds coming up in the future. The other thing for especially Victorian listeners is uh, the Bright Rod Run. Unfortunately, they've had to pull the pin on that, which is not uh, not surprising really, but uh, that officially came through the other day. So I, uh, I've set a goal for my truck. I, I want to drive it to the Bright Rod Run next year. So I've got about a 12-month uh, timeline that I've set myself now. So I need to really pull my socks up. I, I spent a bit of time this weekend working on the bed of my truck. I had the bed sides folded up and I've got my rear guards and I've, I've split them up the middle because I need to extend them out. So a little bit happening on my build and, and I hope there's a bit happening on your build. So enjoy this episode and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, Matt, thanks, mate, for joining us on the podcast. Really good to get you on. I know I've been chasing you for uh, a few weeks trying to line this up. How you been? Yeah, not bad, mate. How about you? Yeah, going all right, going all right. So, um... I sort of just came across your your truck. I, I think probably with the ISO truck show, I might have seen it for the first time, and just really like that uh, that look. So we'll get into the truck a bit later. But why don't why don't you take us back to your early days and and what are your first memories of automotive things that got you interested in cars and that sort of thing? Oh, look, it's definitely you know my father's fault. Um, 
he's had a, or he still has it, and I'm part owner now, a differential business down our way, and you know had a top alcohol car, everything like that as part of the business. So as a you know, young kid on Saturday mornings, we go into dad's work, and you know you're, you're sitting in funny cars looking at you know what I know now was blown methanol injected Keith Black Hemis, things like that. And he'd bring something home, whether it be a push bike or a billy cart or something, and we'd start, you know, mucking around in the garage at home. And, you know, then it was just my grandfather and my father would buy me matchbox cars or model cars and things like that. And just got a little bit older, you know, 15, bought my first car, bought a WB1 tonner, working every week. And that would pay for the, you know, the tonner to be finished. Um... And that just, it snowballed. And that's what, you know, I'm working in the family business now. And it started from a very, very young age. It usually does. It's usually dad's fault. And it's usually some really subtle brainwashing and, and off you go, don't you? Oh, it wasn't subtle at all. Like I found a photo of the <laughs> I'm 10 years old and I've got a Geelong Differentials t-shirt on. You know, it's, I think he was sort of programming it. So that by the time I was around working there, he was almost able to slip into retirement. Yeah, that's not a bad um, that's not a bad business method. I'm embarrassed enough to admit that there's photos of me with a Collingwood jumper on when I was a child because of my father, and um, I saw the light and changed as soon as I could uh, make my own decisions. But yeah, you sort of just get you get put into whatever your parents are into, don't you? You do, and don't worry, I had the St Kilda jumper because that's who my dad's goes for. So we're doing a bit better this year, though. We're going all right. Yeah, well, I, I switched to Melbourne, which has never really worked very well for me. So, uh, <laughs> should have stuck with Collingwood. Yeah, yeah, I would have seen a couple of premierships at least, but I've still got all my teeth, which is really nice. Well, you're from the country, so that's probably going to help you out. Yeah, yeah. So, first first car was a WB. Was that a V8, or did you guys, what did you do with that? So, that was a 253 uh, Column Auto. Um, put a Statesman interior in it, found a custom tray for it, found some you know 14-inch Cheviot mags for it. And, yeah, as I said, every weekend I was going just doing little bits and pieces, you know, learning my way around it. And it was actually about two weeks before my 18th birthday and a bloke coming to work and saw it there and paid really good money for it. So I actually never even got to drive it on my piece. <laughs> you would have done some laps in it regardless I, I did a couple i didn't do too many on it just you know what it was more so as i was getting towards 18 realized how useless those one tonners are unless you're a bricklayer or something like that they're useless you can't fit anything in them um and it was good uh, that sort of stepped up into another car and then yeah just heaps more after that so had had a pretty tough you know, 186 powered HR Prem for my, my first car, essentially, on my piece. Um, and having Dad with a diff shop, you know, we put in a short diff and it put 15 by 10s under the back of it and mini-tubbed it and all that fun stuff. So it was a pretty cool little car. And, you know, I, I sold that after I was, you know, about 19, about 12 months after it. And I should never have sold it, but I've I've got in contact with the bloke that now buy, has, owns it and I'm sort of hoping, just putting plant the seed to maybe be able to get the car back. So we'll see what happens in the future about that one. No, that's cool. And I was doing a bit of Instagram stalking earlier, um, and you you have a really I don't know, do you still have the HT Prem? Uh, no, so I started the, bought that as a six cylinder car, and I bought it from Adelaide. And typical, just panel and paint was beautiful, but just never finished off properly. So we brought it back, thinking, yep, righto perfect car to put satin center lines on it 
you know, mini tubbard, toughy little 308 or a 350 Chevinet, and it was just going to be a pure Geelong spec, you know, two five five sixties on the back of it. And yeah, built this car and sort of, it was halfway through putting it together, doing the motor and everything like that. And that's when I met Leon and, um, you know, Big Al's Chop Shop fame. And I started hanging out with those guys and I sort of just realised that the car wasn't me anymore. You know, I've had HRs, I've had, you know, HTGs all my life. I think I've had about 10 or 12 of them now. But the whole time I wanted to do a pickup truck. That was, ever since I was a little kid, you know, in the shed here, I've got model trucks all over the place that that was always what I wanted to do. But not having the knowledge or the know-how or even, you know, the ins to doing with this American pickup truck stuff, it was only you know, meeting those guys. I'm like, hang on, I can do this, you know, bugger it, I'm going to sell the Prem and look for a truck and sold the Prem, you know, couldn't find anything anywhere. And then the, the white pickup truck I've got, that's, I found that and, you know, brought it home. No, that's cool. What's the story behind that truck? Where'd you find that? So a little bit of a backstory. There was an old bloke in Bar and Heads who had one and I'd ride past it on my way to school every day and he's still got it now. Uh, his name's Bill Tate. So if any of your listeners sort of follow Gons Lab on Instagram, Bill Tate's the one that had that um, Packard Merlin powered like a V12 1650 cubic inch powered FJ drag car. And he used to tow it with this 65 F100. So I'd ride past that every day and that sort of just went, okay, I need a 65 F100 one day. Um, when I was about 20, my dad had one and it was a factory 390 uh, FE motor in it, auto, which was a pretty rare thing over here. They only brought 90 of them over. Um, that was a real tough car, you know, 15 tens, 325 tyres on the back on its guts. Um, I almost bought it off him. I was really close to buying it off him, but then he had to sell it and do something else. And it was always stuck in my mind to buy a 65 F100. So I was looking at bringing one from the States. I was looking at Queensland, all of that. And then just a bloke messaged me saying, hey, I hear you're after a 65 F100. I'm like, yep, cool. No worries. Send us some photos and off we go. And yeah, this cracker, original patina, right-hand drive, just boring white. Vies are on the top and I'm just like, oh, God. I want it. That's it. That's that's the truck. That's that's exactly what I want. That's I remember seeing um oh who was it? One of the guys did a plain white sixty five F one hundred. I think it might have been Porter built or one of those ones. Um, maybe Mikhail Speed Shop. I reckon might have done it. And it was like a turboed Alice thing, and yeah, just on its guts on OE Steelies and white walls. I'm like, yep, that's what I want to build one day. And as soon as I saw that, I went, okay, I've got to try and make this happen. And it was a bloody nightmare trying to get onto him because. The guy was just a bit weird. Um, didn't trust Facebook at all. Didn't want to put his phone number on Facebook. And, you know, I reckon it took me a month, month and a half just to try and get on the phone to him to talk to him about it. And, yeah, it was, um, went to, sold the Prem. We had a Queenslip Hot Rod Run. Good fun weekend. Driving around with um, Aaron Gregory from Memphis Hell. It was, you know, I was cutting laps in his truck driving it. And he gave me the keys to it. And, that Sunday night of Queenslift, I got the phone call and the guy said, mate, come up and have a look at it. And if it's for you, it's for you. So, yeah, went up, did the deal. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, to find the year you want full patina and right-hand drive, I mean, that's a pretty pretty good thing. And it's still on the original Rego from when it was brand new. Yeah, that's cool. So, <laughs> but was it, like a, yeah. it was a one-family-owner car, essentially. Um, they were 
they were cauliflower farmers or something like that, and the person who was doing maintenance on the farm, he bought the truck, and you know, then it sat in the shed for 15 years, but he kept paying the regal on it, and I was lucky to, to take it off his hands. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I I was a, my old man was a Ford man, so I grew up Ford, but the truck world, I probably know a lot more about chefs, but did we did we ever get like the unibody stuff here, or was it always like the cab? Just we got really basic stuff. So we got, and I've heard numbers before, but something only around like 2,000, 2,200, 61 to 66, like slick F100s in Australia. Um, And they were all just six-cylinder manuals, very bare-bones basic, because they were only rated to a half-ton pickup. Whereas at the time, like an XP Falcon Ute was rated to half-ton, you know, which I don't see how they compare, but... That was the whole marketing was, oh, why would you drive a big truck like an F100 when you can drive an XP, which is like a passenger car? So they didn't really sell a lot of them here. Um, it's, yeah, the the unibodies, they were still, once again, they were an American thing. We never really got that over here. Um, not that I know of. Whether they made some right-hand drive, I don't know. But as far as I know, they were just bare-bones basic, a few colours, manuals, six-cylinders, and that's it. You didn't even get a radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, cool. So this is this is early 2016. You pick up this truck. Um, you're mates with Leon, so there's probably only one thing that's going to happen. Um, what what was the what was the plan from the get go? The plan from the get go was just to pig around and as a six cylinder and cruise around for a couple of years. Um, then another mate of mine, Damo Kemp, with the Thunderbolt Gasser, he helped me out. Sort of, it was a running truck, but you know clutch didn't work for other things and when we started getting into the nitty-gritties it was stuffed mechanically the truck was stuffed and we sort of went oh geez you know what by the time i try and put even disc brakes on it rico the motor shit like that it was easy just to go oh we'll put a jag front end in it and put a v8 in it I'm like oh yep cool you know flip the diff just cruise around static then Leon goes, oh, well, if we're going to do a little chassis notch instead of doing a couple of inches, we may as well do six inches. And, oh, if we're going to weld the front end in, we may as well want it, you know, weld it further in. And, oh, if we're going to do this, you may as well just bag it. And, yeah, it was, I remember he just, he gave me a phone call and it's just like, yep, bring your car around next weekend, we'll start stripping it. And, yeah, within a weekend, maybe a couple of weekends, we are down just to a bare chassis rails. And I was just going, oh, God, what have I done? It was a running, driving truck, you know, sort of and I just I had no idea what I was doing and yeah I'm glad Leon did because that's, yeah, it's, it wouldn't be a driving truck today I can tell you that nah I did did you get a chance to drive it on the road in stock form or yeah, was it and it not drove quite really roadworthy oh look it was we did a we got a roadworthy roadworthy um and I've drove it around a little bit but even like radiator was stuffed just everything if you got on the highway, it'd be all right. But as soon as you tried slowing down, we limped it around a little bit. It was a cool, fun little truck. And looking back, you know, I should have pulled it apart quicker because I just, I put a bit too much money into it as a six-cylinder to try and get it to work, but it wasn't going to. So that's, you learn. That's all part and parcel of it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so Jag front, what you just did, like a custom four-link rear and, and, it's it's airbagged, is that right? Yes. So uh, trucks airbagged all around. 
Um, is the original F100 chassis. A lot of people try to put them on a Hilux or a HQ chassis or something like that. Um, yeah, Leon did all the four link, everything pretty simple, just parallel four link, you know, um, bags on the diff. Um, you know, it's a bit of, it's a bit of a mix of everything. Um, Leon sort of has his own plates and design for the Jag front end that's in it. Um, and yeah, it's look, turn the key off it goes. That's what I wanted. I wanted a pretty simple. And so what, what motor did you end up getting? So originally we had a little 302 Clevo and a C10 Auto. Um, that was pretty crap. It just overheated and had no guts in it at all. So uh, another local bloke, um, Tony TDR uh, Engines, he built up just a pretty mild 351 Clevo for it. A uh, little baby cam in it. Just, you know, I've had tuppy cars before and I didn't want that. I wanted something that my missus, she could just jump in, turn the key and go for a drive. Um, and it's just a real simple setup and it sits on 115, 120k an hour all day long if it needs to. Uh, it's just a cool, fun cruising car. It doesn't get hot, just a uh, super reliable truck. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Like, I, I actually spent about an hour on the phone last night to a guy who, who rang me about just was just got a truck and he's just sort of looking at trying to decide what he was going to do with it. And, and it's got a running, I think, 216 in it. It's a Chevy. And he said, oh, you know, you know, would you keep this engine? What would you do? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I'm like, well, it's your truck. I can't tell you what to do. But if, if you plan on daily driving it, then you don't want that engine. Like, it's just going to be horrendous. And, you know, and, and then you go, oh, you know, I guess in the Chev world, you go, do you go a 350 or did you go an LS? And I guess in the Ford, you know, am I going to 302, 351? Am I going to put a Barra in it? You know, what am I going to do? And there, there's all these options. And I guess none of them are wrong or right. But to put a modern turnkey engine that, like you say, your missus can just drive it and you don't have to go out and tinker, get the car be right or get this or that happening correctly. You know, it's, it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Oh, a hundred percent. And, you know, I was toying with the idea of going the LS option and things like that. And, you know, I'm not one of those people that gets upset when someone puts, you know, a Chev and a Ford. It doesn't bother me at all. But for me, it was just like, you know what? If you can drive an 85 F100 as a daily driver, why can't you do that as a 65 F100? Um, and that's why I just went, keep it simple. Um, you know, Chevs are probably different because there's so much aftermarket stuff for a Chev, but there's not for an F100, and especially for that slick, you know, 61 to 66 F100. Um, even when we did the, the chassis sort of, Leon was like, well, this is the first one I'm doing, so we'll, we'll try a few things and we'll see how we go. And, it works mint. It works beautiful. So, you know, that was you know, credits to him. Definitely credits to him. It drives awesome. Yeah, I mean, what's he running? Half road, Dayo, half, God knows what under his well, truck. So it's um, uh, Hilux. I think it's Hilux. Hilux, yeah. Yeah. yeah the bits, yeah. but, yeah. you know, he's, Leon's also sort of grown up with the mentality of, right, oh, what have we got around here that we can use? And he creates really good stuff out of it. And, mm. no, that, that little trucky is proof in the pudding. He's done thousands upon thousands of Ks in it. And I don't know, I don't know too many people that can drive their 50, 60 year old mini truck slash pickup truck to the middle of Ayers Rock and then drive a red center nats and drive it home and do, as I said, thousands of Ks in that thing. So, no, that was definitely what I saw. And I said, okay, these cars have got to be used. I didn't want to just drive mine on a Friday night. Um, or anything like that. I drive mine everywhere. Yeah. 
and there's there's a lot of i mean there's you know we spoke to a bunch of different guys who have got full-blown custom independent front suspension setups and they've spent ten twenty thousand dollars on them and they're just you know and they are they're probably the bees and these and they drive like a brand new car but you know that the hot riding world the, the jag front end you know it's you pick them up for 300 bucks on gun tree and they just work don't they like they're just a good handling disc brakes you've got pretty easy to airbag them like they they're really proven uh front end for those sort of style trucks oh and like the other thing is people don't realize they're only half an inch narrower in the track width compared to a stand f100 front end chev pattern so easy to get wheels for them um i'm running el falcon brake booster with mine so all the brakes work really well on it and just that once again that simplicity that oh i need to get brake pads yep sweet i can go to repco one of those and order some brake pads for it wheel bearings nice and simple like you know i do i do a lot of work you know through the business with you know guys like united downtown customs things like that and their front ends are absolute perfection you know that's there's absolutely you can't beat it even when you see all the fittings are all cnc made and they're absolutely amazing um just for me personally i've you know saving to buy a house and everything like that so i had to go okay what's the next best step okay a jag front end and it's been done before and, and it works for me and beautiful. And if I was doing a full custom chassis, it looks stupid putting a, a Jag front end in that. But it was, yeah, that for me in my little truck, that's that was what I could afford at the time. And it's, you know, touch wood, it's worked beautiful so far. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I mean, that's what I think people need, listening need to be realistic about is like, are you building a full-blown autocross truck that needs to have adjustable camera and all this shit? Or are you just building... I'm just going to drive it every day and it just needs to turn corners and stop. You know, there's, it's pretty easy to, to buy a truck and all of a sudden you just go down this rabbit hole and you spend 50, 60, $70,000 without even trying. It's crazy. Oh, it's, you know, when you're looking at even a set of brakes now, it can cost you 15, 20 grand. Um, it's, it's insane. And you know what? some cars need that some trucks that are getting built need that because they're going that next step they're going that okay we don't want to build what something's been done a hundred times and i can tell you now a 65 f100 with oe steelies on white walls has been done a lot of times um it's a pretty tried and true look i'm, I'm the first to admit it and i didn't want to try and be different with mine it's i just wanted the truck that i'd always imagined when i was a kid but yeah, going back to, you know, the big Bayer brakes or Brembo's or AP Racing or any of them, it's a different level of truck. And yes, you can drive them every day. You could probably be more reliable than my little truck that I've got. But just for me, that truck, I wanted just a Jag front end because I paid 300 bucks for it around the corner from where I live. Uh, I could recondition in my front. I could get the bits and pieces. Leon had already designed an airbag system to go in it, to have a... Um, you know, with the plates and everything like that. So I was also guided by what he told me to do. Um, and that was the simplest way. And we got the front end in and we mopped it all up and we put the cab back on and, yep, it doesn't sit low enough now. So let's notch it in a bit further in the front end and, and we went from there. No, it's good. It, it, it lays frame. It looks awesome. It's really cool. So yeah. what have you done air management? Did you did you put AccuAir stuff in there or what have you got in your truck? So it's got the VU4 block and it has got a bit of AccuAir but it hasn't got like the E-level or anything like that. Um, so I sort of 
we started going down the path of engineers and that's where I'm sort of, you know, got a bit itchy to get on the road and started driving it. And now, you know, my partner and I, you know, she's due for a baby soon. So I want to go down the path of, okay, now we get, need to get this engineered and need to put some seat belts in it and all those bits and pieces. But it's getting a little bit of a birthday at the moment. Um, had the rear roll pan done, had a few other bits and pieces, got a new auto for it. So that's all getting done at the moment to sort of assist with the engineering purpose. Yeah, cool. And uh, I'll ask a cheeky question. Who did your rear end for you? <laughs> oh, funnily enough, so uh, <laughs> look, the, the four link and everything like that was done by Leon. So he did all that set up. Uh, but the differential I did. So that's that's the benefit of having having a business is I did get to use that. I got to make it and say, yep, okay, that was my little touch. And actually, even the diff isn't that special on that truck. The you know, the, the F100s came out with a uh, factory nine-inch rear end and they have the cool, what they call a wall case. It's a twin web, real old school looking case. And I did all that in the oxide red. And But even the center, it's open wheel, three to five ratio. I didn't even put an LSD in the thing because it just wasn't that truck. I didn't need it. Um, even the axles are just real simple stuff because look, if it was making 600 horsepower or, or a thousand horsepower, because everyone can make a thousand horsepower these days, and I was using it as a show truck for work, 100%. I would have done something crazy with the rear end, but I never built it to be a work truck. I built it for a personal truck. Do I take it for work? Yes, of course. Um, do I go to car shows in it and tell people about the work? Yes, I do. But it was never going to be a Geelong Differential Services shop truck. It was just my little personal truck for me. And, and do, you, do you think that this is probably phase one you know, maybe 10, 15 years, the kids are getting a bit older and you've got a little bit more free time and it might go in for a phase two and it, it might step up a level. Like you, you've, you've, you've got it the way you want it and you're going to drive it and, and who knows what the future holds? Probably not, to be honest. It's, look, I've gone down the path of getting full custom interiors, panel and paint, getting all your chromes detailed, you know, motors, things like that. But it's just so good that I can just jump in, I turn the key, and off it goes. Now, you know, I've talked about the idea of doing panel and paint on it, but then it loses a lot of the history of what that car is. You know, like even it's rubbed down to the red oxide underneath the driver's arm where he's been fat arming since he was, you know, since 1965. It's got little dents near the door locks where the, someone tried stealing it in 1988. And the guy who I bought it off, he goes, I've still got the screwdriver they tried to break into the car with. So it has yeah, a right. really cool little story, you know, and it's got some good history and you can't replicate that. And you know what? For me, it's always going to be my little truck. And more so the fact if I was going to put the effort into it, I'd actually just build another car. Um, yeah. I think just the truck is the truck and it's got its purpose. I think the next car I build will have a different purpose to the truck, so I couldn't make the truck into that next car that I needed. Um, you know, working on cars every day, it's going to be a while before I look at building another truck again. Um, but no, the I think the truck will just get just regular maintenance and just get its tidy ups and just to keep it on the road. It's it doesn't need anything crazy. Look, one day I might end up putting a bit of a hottie motor in it, put some different wheels and things like that. Um, but it's once again, for the effort to do all that to the truck, I could build another car that would serve, a, you know, serve a different purpose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, what is the, you know, the your missus? Does she 
does she love taking it for a drive? Like, will she uh, taking the the F truck down the shops to get some groceries? Is does she drive it much? Oh, not so much just as a, I'm going down to the groceries, but like you know, if it's a sunny day on a Sunday, you know, or a weekend, and we or oh, we're going to go to you know, we're down on the Ballarat Peninsula, so just past Geelong. You know, we do a lot of trips up to Ballarat and down the coast and things like that. And she'll say, oh, yep, let's take the truck. And we'll jump in, go for our drive. You know, she'll jump behind the wheel. She loves having the steer of it. And I'll give her as much opportunity to try and drive it just to get her used to it. And, you know, she sort of grew up with old cars as well a little bit. So she's not afraid of it, which is good. And that's, yeah, that's the beauty about it is she's not scared to drive it either. We can We can both enjoy it. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. So tell us a little bit about, you know, that that whole Bellarine Peninsula, Geelong, you know, through Torquay and that whole area. I mean, it's got such a car culture at the moment. You know, I see so many really nice, you know, Johns down there, I suppose, and uh, Leon and a whole bunch of guys. But if we go back to when you had that WB and you first got your license, what was what was the scene like then? And, and how have you seen it change? down there as far as car clubs and you know the, the whole because a lot of a lot of people talk about how you know people aren't into cars as much and all that sort of thing but I, I almost feel like it's going the other way look one thing about Geelong is Geelong has the Geelong style and we have a lot of tough cars um, you know as far as pickup trucks not a lot of it um, but as far as like you know your KTG Holdens which you know, either either Geelong or Adelaide is the HKTG capital of Australia. Um, you know, Tuffy Monaros, uh, XWs, XYs, Tiranas, things like that. Geelong's, and I'm not being biased, probably has some of the nicest streetcars in Australia. Um, you know, it's you can just be on a driving on a Saturday morning and you can see a nine-second XW just cruising down the road. And the scene is probably the same as what it was you know, when I got my license 10, 12 years ago now, compared to what it was even 20 years ago, just the cars have gotten faster. You know, they're still running 15-inch, you know, welds or centre lines. They're still running, you know, alloy-headed small blocks or, you know, just the LS is probably the latest thing that's come about now or the turboed LS application. Um, but the Geelong car scene is still huge. Um, as far as car clubs and things, there's, been, there's a couple of them that pop up, and especially with Club Ridge on Victoria now, a lot of people have started car clubs purely to help their passion. Um, but no, the, the scene in Geelong is as strong as ever. And you'd think that in every second backyard in, in Geelong, there's a Tuffy Holden or a Tuffy Ford of some description. Yeah. And you'd, you'd see them all come through the shop, I suppose. Like you, you seem to post up a lot of really nice Aussie muscle cars. Yeah. So the shops, uh, we've got a differential business, Geelong Differential Services. And we specialise in, you know, performance rear ends for all makes and models and a lot of the you know because we've been around for 30 plus years a lot of the guys in Geelong we've almost grown up with them so you know we've got regular customers who we first did a diff on their car when they were 18 and they're now 50 um that that's sort of that's the they've grown up with us as much as I've grown up with them and you know I've got customers of mine who are 40 or 50 years old that I remember when I was only 10 or 12 years old going in on a Saturday and seeing them in and you know, that was also me learning about cars and that's probably why I started off with the, you know, the KTGs and things like that is because that's what I was around and, you know, friends of mine have got some real tough cars and that's sort of, you're always influenced by the people around you and 
I had, yeah, I remember I sold my, I had this real nice HR Prem and I sold that because my mates at the time were all into their five litre Commodores. I bought this VS five litre ute and it did awesome donuts and that's it. But I was a real bogan in it. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'm going to crash this. So I'll better sell it before I do. And I bought a HG Prem that I yeah, did the small block conversion in, nine inch in the back, little toughy turbo 350. And that then got me into a few more of the tougher Holdens and, I never had a 700 horsepower, small block power car, but that was the crew I was hanging around with. And that's when I was building that last HT prem I had with the mini tubs and everything. And then I met Leon and those guys. And it's like, well, hang on, I don't need shiny paint. And oh, how much more user friendly is this? And just sitting in the back of at Queens of Hot Rod Run and just talking a bit of shit. And that's what got me sort of started on yeah, okay, I can do a pickup truck. That's that's me now. Yeah, it's it's funny. That that happened for me in the Volkswagen scene of all things, but I, I had a split screen combi that I was restoring and I had this master plan of this black on green, perfect paint job, you know, like all this shit. And I, I look back now at my ability to weld at that stage and I don't know what it would have ended up looking like if I finished it, but I, I started... Because I grew up going to just hot rod shows, and then all of a sudden I started going to these Volkswagen shows, which are, you know, they're I love Volkswagen people, but they're a whole different breed of people. And <laughs> and all of a sudden I, I turn up and there's all these rat, you know, like real rat beetles and 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 rat combis, and they were slammed to the ground. And like when those guys slam, the wheels aren't parallel; they're like this. Yeah, you know, they're full camber. And um, but yeah, there was just all this original paint, and I just started thinking about it. it's like. That makes so much sense. Like that's 10, 20 grand I don't have to spend. And I can park it down the supermarket and I'm not worried about someone scratching my paint. And yeah, that really changed my mentality of of what I was going to have. And it took a few more years before I ended up getting into the pickups. But yeah, it's different. I mean, I I love a show paint job and I, I, you know, I love even just a normal paint job. But for me, I'm rough on my gear and I know what, you know, if I had a painted car, Six months later, I'd be like, oh, this is fucked, you know, so. And that, so that HT Prem I had, it was Cranberry Mica, which is like a VS Caprice color with a different pearl through it. Any speck of dust that went on it, you could see. And it was an absolute nightmare to keep clean. And I, I want to drive my car in rain and things like that. And I was just blown away. And I was thought, never thought earlier that, hang on, I don't need a shiny car. I can have just as much fun in a car that's not shiny. And yeah, that was, I just always had the this vision of, of getting an old truck and going from there. And one of the, one of the earliest sort of bagged F100s I saw was actually um, Jamie Smith's clunker, but before he painted it. So it was like a green, you know, patina, real rough, but had the red leather interior in it. And it was on its guts. I remember just seeing it going, wow. And that was me. I'm like, holy shit, how cool is this? And that stuck in my head for ages. And it was like, how could you ever build that? Like, you'll never get it registered. You'll never be able to do this. It's such a massive job to do that. And that's when I met Leon. And that's when that friendship started. And that's when the idea started rolling again. And that's when I built the truck. Or Leon and, you know, Leon built the truck and I helped him out. It was, yeah. And that sort of helped out with getting a friendship and everything too. So yeah, yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah, we had him on the show and it was really good chatting to him. And I remember sitting at the the roundabout, the right bright rod run about two or three years ago now, and and his truck 
he had like pole position. He was right out the front of the pub there on the roundabout. Yep. And yeah, chatting to him and his missus and, and like just blown away with his truck. And I love that, that F1, the 48 to sort of 52 Ford era. I think they look fantastic. And yeah, really, really cool truck. And, and then when, when I learned a bit more about the history and, and what he's done, it's, yeah, it's a credit to him. It's a really cool truck. Have you been up to Bright Rod Run before? Yeah, so I've I've been probably three times now, four times, and I had my truck up there on not last year, the year before. Um, that was sort of the the last big drive I did in it before I pulled the motor out and put the new three fifty one and everything in. And no, Bright's an awesome weekend and really good fun. And yeah, I know exactly where you're talking where he had pole position of the car park. That's because everyone tries getting there like th- Thursday morning, even Wednesday night, and they leave their car there and try and leave it for the whole weekend. But no, it's it's a shame that with all this you know COVID bullshit that that they've had to can it this year because it's one of the better events of the year. Yeah, I was just talking to uh, Russell Beetson, who's um, I think he's the president of the club, and uh, chatting to him literally yesterday. He rang me because we've been talking about trying to do something a bit um, a bit special for the pickups, trying to get get all the trucks in one place kind of thing at at, at the show. And uh, he rang me uh, yesterday and said that we've had a meeting and we've canned it, which, I mean, to be honest, we all knew was going to happen anyway, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a shame to hear. Look, it's it's unfortunately the sort of flavour of the year. Um, we had a big sort of run we were going to do. A bunch of us were all going to go from you know, down our way to Melbourne and all the way up to Sydney and meet up with, you know, the guys at Downtown Customs, Oxytech, United Speed, and, um, you know, Aaron Gregory from Memphis Hell, all those guys were going to do a big pub run and all take our trucks and things like that and go for a big drive, but that got canned as well. And it's just, yeah, it's it's the flavour of the year. So hopefully 2021 is a bit more positive for us as far as car shows. Yeah. Has Chopped been cancelled? That's in October, isn't it? I think it's been postponed um, yep. to February. So, yeah, it's 2020 is just a write-off. We're going to forget about it, and next year we'll get back into it. Yeah, just a little asterisk on the calendar. Forget about it. You know, for me, it's been good, though, because work's been absolutely crazy. Everyone's stuck at home working on their cars, so it's the busiest we've ever been. And, you know, I'm not bragging about it, but it's sort of it's been really good for us. Yeah, it- Everyone in the automotive scene that I've spoken to said the same thing. Like there, I, I don't know whether the flow on will be after the lockdowns. It'll be slow for a little while because everyone's done stuff early. But there's certainly, yeah, everyone's got their project in the shed and they're they're working on it, which is good. Oh, that's what else can you do? Like that's, you know, we're sort of. That's why I've got the bikes because at least I can get them nice and easy. I can put them in the back of the car, and it's a nice, simple little thing to sort of get done on a weekend. But you know, if you're working on a car and you've only got a small little shed and you haven't got the space for it, it's a bit tight to get through. So that's, you know, try and make sure you've got everything lined up and you've got all your bits and pieces so you can keep working on it. Yeah, yeah. So let's chat briefly about that. We were, we were talking before we started recording, but your uh, your side hobby, obviously you work on cars all day at work. You don't really want to come home and tinker on a car in the garage, but you, uh, you sort of restore cool old uh what are they dragsters is that what you call them dragsters so look people call them muscle bikes low riders things like that um but no it's when i was you know before driving the other thing i was doing was playing with push bikes and restored a couple of old dragsters as a kid and won a couple of trophies and we actually held a, a dragster push bike show down the geelong waterfront and we had like 400 bikes come to that um cool. 
and we even had a couple of mini trucks and Jamie Smith was there, uh, Aaron Grieger was there and a bunch of other you know mini truckers from the Australian scene. So that sort of, by the time we got my license, you know, had a bit of fun, blah, blah, blah. And later in life, I've, you know, we've bought a house finally now and I thought, oh, a good way, you know, just to tinker in the shit is I'll grab a push bike again and start doing it up. And one bike became two, became four, became eight. And now I've got about 25 of them and yeah, they're just... It's a fun little hobby that you don't have to outlay a lot to and you can achieve a lot in a short amount of time, and which is perfect for in the shed. You know, it's, I'm not having to sit out here all weekend just to try and, you know, set a motor up in, a, in an engine bay. It's, you can get something happening pretty quickly and there's that much, you know, accessories and custom stuff from the 60s and 70s. And that's sort of the other side of it is just trying to hunt down the original parts and the new old stock parts, just like it is for cars but on such a lesser scale, so it seems more achievable. Yeah, and, and so do you build them era correct or, you know, you got a bit of a... Do you do a low rider or do you sort of keep them semi-stock? No, I try and keep them semi-stock. Um, it's, you know, as we were talking, like, 10 years ago, Bratz bikes were out at Kmart. You paid $89 for them and they had the big Springer front end on it, the white wall tyres, and everyone went gangbusters over them, but... It's and it's only you know I'm learning as well that the original tires, original shifters, original paint, you know the sissy bars, things like that, that you're blown away by when you actually start doing them. How different an original bike is, to, even if you do it custom to a one of these modern bikes. Um, I sort of you know when I was a kid, we'd go to the Ballarat and the Benny go swap meet all the time, and you'd always see a couple of kids who were riding around like mint original Melbourne stars. And you'd be thinking, shit, I wish I could afford that. Or, geez, you know, I've got my 50 bucks pocket money I saved for two weeks and now I can't afford it because it's $1,000. But, you know, you get a bit older, you get a little bit of disposable income. So it's like, oh, bugger, I'm going to buy that or I'm going to build that bike. And that's sort of what I started doing now. And, yeah, it's just a good little fun hobby that you can do at home. And, you know, one day if I've got kids, well, we're having kids soon. So, you know, he can have the bikes. And if he wants to sell them to buy a car, beautiful. If he wants to keep playing around them, he can do that too. So... No, it's, it's a fun, it's a, a good way to scratch an itch, especially when you're working on cars all day, just to get home and say, yep, I can tinker in the shed. Mm. No, absolutely. So so any of our listeners that, that have got an old one sitting in the shed they haven't ridden for a long time, they need to give you a call? Oh, 100%. Or hit me up on Instagram, cash money, anywhere in Australia, as long as you can sort of box it up for me, I'll sort it out. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> cool. All right, mate. Well, um, that's pretty cool. So are, are you a member of a club? Like, is... Your truck's full rego, so you're not on club rego, but is, is there a local club there that you're a member of? No. So and it's not that I'm against clubs or anything like that. I just, I don't know. For me, they seem a little bit clicky, but not in a bad way. Just yeah. um, I'm a sociable person and I sort of, all the trucks that I also, or all the shows that I go to, I've always got different groups going to certain shows. So, you know, like we do a big thing, uh, on Australia Day, do a big cruise. And, you know, the crew I go with that, I'm also into like the Tuffy Tiranas and Kingswoods and stuff like that. Whereas then, you know, we'll go to Bright or we'll go to Custom Nats and Leon and I and a bunch of other guys, we'll go to those ones. Um, the club sort of stuff for me, just, I was already friends with all the people, so I didn't feel like I needed to join a club with them. And I've only got the one car, so I didn't need the club rego on it. So I just, I'd never fell into that sort of, car club scene um i haven't got my my bomber jacket with my little nickname on the side or anything like that so no it's just yeah 
it's the car club stuff was was never for me. Is there a bit of a cars and coffee scene down there? Obviously, oh, they've tried doing it um, a few times, and it's hard because you know anyone who's been an event organizer knows how hard it is to try and get an event off the ground. And you know, it's started. It's you know, there's a few regular ones, especially over summer. Which you know, this time of year we'd start to get back into again, but once again, coronavirus has sort of you know stuffed all that up for us. Um, yeah, it's more. I guess for me, it's more so that on the nice weather's you know the nice days, we'll just shoot a text message out going, "Hey, we're going to go here," and it's like, "Oh, geez, it's sunny. We'll take the truck," or you know, we must go, "Oh, I'll take this car." And before you know it, there's 12, 15, 20 cars cruising around, and you know, we stop for coffee or stop for lunch somewhere, and off we go again. You know, so it's. It's a really good scene down here for not being organised, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, you can drive on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning uh, on, when the weather's out and you'll see plenty of cars cruising around and there's a bunch of little pockets in Geelong that people you know, with hottie cars will pull up at and stop for lunch or stop for a coffee. And No, it's, they've done a, tried doing a few of these cars for coffees and you know, it just... I'm not saying that it doesn't work, but it's so hard to get off the ground that it starts getting good and then something happens. You know, like you know, down here is massive for football, obviously. So it gets to football season. So a lot of people pull the pin on doing it then. And, um, you know, once again, good old coronavirus. That's that's just ruined 2024. So hopefully it starts to pick up again in, in the in the new year. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Well, yeah, who needs cars and coffee when you got it? couple of text messages and you got a crew that's that's awesome and we uh no that's that's cool well uh mate awesome chatting uh if guys want to follow your stuff your say your personal instagram is that sort of an open instagram people can check out that's just it's i had one for work i had one for you know all the shit stuff i was doing with the push bikes i had my personal one and i can't keep track of it all so it's just yeah just the matt underscore dietrich um yeah, if you want to see some cool old trucks and cars or some old push bikes when I'm building the shed, jump on board, have a follow. Um, yeah, see how you go. It's I'm not here for, for showmanship or anything like that. I just like sort of sharing a few of the fun things I do on the shed and at work, that's all. Yeah, that's awesome. And and if you're if you're down that that way and and you need some uh, some diff work, uh, Geelong differentials, they're the guys to come and talk to. Hopefully. <laughs> Cool. All right, mate. Well, look, appreciate your time and, um, yeah, I love your truck. Uh, I just bought a, a 48 F1, so we're going to be uh, dragging that back from the States at some stage soon. And, yeah, I, I think I'll be chatting to Leon because he's obviously uh, got his head right around how they go together. And, and I'm not a Ford person or a Chef person. I like the era. You know, I like the, the styling of, of those shapes and, you know, even the Dodgers, some of the Dodgers and stuff, I, I really I really love them and uh, it's cool. So, but no, your your Fords. I think after the after your era of Fords, they lost me a bit. Like the bump sides and dent sides, they kind of just look like a square box to me. And and not and not that that's much different to a square body Chevy. I don't love them either. So I'm an earlier era guy. Um, but no, I think your truck looks awesome. Same with me. Like I love like that '65. I was like, yep, that's the dream. But I love a '55 Chevy 3100 or Cameo, whatever you want to call them. Like Jono's truck. That's cracker. Like that to me, just yeah. That those two shapes. It was either going to be one of those two. It just so happened that I found my '65 when I did, and love it. That's. But I'm the same as you. When you saw, I love F100s, but as soon as you get to that sort of 
early 70s, early mid-70s, they sort of lose that. Yeah, they're still cool, but they're not classic cool. Um, mm. But no, nah, it's all a bit of fun. But nah, it's been awesome chatting to you, dude, so I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as uh, as soon as we're allowed to travel, uh, definitely going to get down the coast and, and catch up with you, you guys. And I think I'm about 12 months off having my truck ready, so I've, I've kind of set the bright ride run for next year as my goal to uh, get to, so hopefully we can all catch up. Nah, sounds good, dude. All right, mate. Appreciate your time, Matt. No worries, mate. Catch up. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general, and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket. You'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.